Bruchem Abayim Hashem Hashem Berachnuchem Eves Hashem. Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night shear. Interesting. The Shabbos Pashas Nosai, the longest of the Pashas. Pash with only 13 mitzvahs. But very important mitzvahs nonetheless. As we... As we just finished the study of Masech Seta, this week's parsha is the brach, is the pesukim discussing the chapter of the Seta. Kisiste Isha, the woman, a wayward woman, was behaving the way, not the way a nice Jewish woman should. And her husband warned her and warned her again. And she went and she did anyway what she was warned against, against what she was warned. Tells the Teda. The whole Mahalach, the whole thing that has to happen to her. Namely, she's given. That needs to bring a carbon. Carbon mincha of oats, which is the food of animals. Acting like an animal, she gets to bring the food of animals. And she's made to swear, if she's in denial actually. And ultimately, she's given to drink a concoction. which involved erasing Hashem's name from the parchment, amongst other psukim, so that she, and she must drink this, and if she drinks it, and if she indeed was sinning, Torah tells us she explodes. If, however, She did not do it, she becomes pregnant, and she's blessed with the most magnificent of children. If a person witnesses this, says the Teda, the successive Parsha talks about the Nazir, the Nazarite. If one sees and witnesses this happen, he needs to pledge. To become a Nazir. 
He may not drink wine. He may not become impure. He needs to watch himself very carefully. I go to cemeteries, funerals. He may not shave his hair. Now this gets quite technical. Having to sit for the amount of time that he takes upon himself the Nazirus. Nazirus does not have to be years, it can be months, it can be one month. There's a minimum. Terah tells us, David al Yisrael, Moshe was told, speak to the Jews. Ishkiafli a person that will decide to take upon himself to become a Nazarite. Hagoyim Einlehem Nazirus. The tells us non Jews do not have Nazirus. We know that Shimshon Hagiber. For example, was a Nazir from his mother's womb. Shmuel Anavi was a Nazir. And the Imarafi keeping score at home, Nazir Misachtas, Nazir Samachala from the days. This brought down in Rashi, this Pasha. Hagoyim and then Naziris. They told me Rabbanu, Rabbanu learned, Dabrab and Yisrael. It says, speak to the Jews, not to the non-Jews. It's exclusive to the Jews only, this commandment. Why does the Pasuk all of a sudden exclude the non-Jew? They're not involved in any of the oaths discusses why the Nazir the Nazirite we find it's written before Matan Terry, before the Terry was given there was a certain level of the concept of oaths of making a nether shvur we see Avimelech was sworn to a mission. He was sworn to a mission, but you know what? Practically speaking, what was his obligation really? How much an obligation did he actually have to fulfill the Shvur? He was one of the, he had to keep the seven Noahide laws, and, not a, and a shavua, an oath, is not amongst that. So, what really bound him to this shavua? 
the Cheskuni says, back in Pashas Neach, one of the reasons the Dera Mabel, that whole generation, was punished, after all, who commanded mitzvahs to them? Who gave them any mitzvahs? Common sense mitzvahs. So you weren't commanded. God didn't come and tell it to you face to face. He didn't text it to you. You didn't get the memo. You didn't get the email. It wasn't on a, posted on Facebook. God did not tell you. But common sense dictates. How to behave. Fellow human being. Mankind. How do you behave amongst mankind? According to this we can say therefore. That the obligations... something that a person undertook because that's what his mind told him person needed to keep even if it's not part of the Shevim Mitzvah something that a person says they take on an obligation they need to do common sense dictates <laughs> you go to shul Rabbi gets up and he says, I saw them taking the Torah from the Holy Ark to the Bima, middle of the shul. I was very touched, he says, how everybody stepped forth to kiss the Torah. And as they kissed the Torah, it occurred to me why our shul is in such financial straits. Huh. Needless to say, he piqued everybody's curiosity. <laughs> and um, everybody was quiet. We could hear a feather drop. A pin would be too hard. A feather. And he continued. As the terror passed through the crowd, he says... I saw people reach out with their hands, touch the Holy Torah, and kiss their hands. My dear children, let me tell you something. There are two mitzvahs involved. Did you come to Shul? One is the giving of tzedakah, and one is the kissing of the Torah. You kiss the Torah with your mouth, with your lips, and you give tzedakah with your hand. Unfortunately, in our shul, it's the opposite. People are kissing the Torah with their hand and giving tzedakah with their lips. They're just having lip service and they're not fulfilling what they're saying. And that's our situation here. Think about it next time you kiss the Torah. Actually, in the Sephardic shul, it's a little more difficult considering that it's a silver case around it. You may just cut your lips up on the thing.
figure out how to do it. So according to this, we can perhaps say, even though Goyim are not really obliged with the laws of Nadarim, of making Nadarim, still in all, if a Goy, a non-Jew, accepts upon himself to become a Nazir, so be it. He says, I will not drink wine. you got to live up to what you say. You commit yourself to something, you need to live up to your commitment. Therefore, the tailor here is coming to exclude the guy from Nazirus to teach us that if he says, Hareini Nazir, the din of Nazir does not fall upon him. He says, I am a Nazir, it doesn't fall upon him. Because the tailor excludes him from this mitzvah, from this commandment. It's like somebody who swears on something that he cannot possibly do. It's not worth anything, the Shavuah. And therefore, the guy may, in essence, drink wine, shave his hair, etc. There was a chassid, Reb Madachai, modern day chassid, lived in Baltimore, actually, Baltimore area, One summer, decided he's going to do a little bit of serious outreach, Miftayim. He undertook to go to a certain old age home. And, um, Touch base to the people. Reach out to the people. So sad are the people there. Someone come along. Young blood. Give them a smile. Give them an encouraging word. It would be nice. And even more so. To put on film with a Jew or two. Be also a beautiful thing. And it was quite nice. It was quite nice with almost everybody there. There was one fellow who did not take well to him. As a matter of fact, he had he expanded the Mordechai's vocabulary to some words that he never heard. Mm-hmm. Poor Amalekai used to back off when he was getting bombarded with this barrage of words. But uh, he used to try. After a while, this fellow used to ignore him like a dog. He used to wave him off, wouldn't even give him the, the recognition. A human being. 
He didn't know what to do. Say hello, say good morning, say good afternoon. He didn't want to rock the fellow's boat. Truly was not looking to get in his face, as we say in America. And he would come on a daily basis, practically. Spoke to different people, did with different people. And things are going very well. Bahayim. He came into the residence. And in the room, where usually everybody sat around, it was empty. Except for this one fellow. And he walked over to him and he says, he's got to seize the opportunity. And he says to him, whatever the guy's name was, Joe. Joe, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I realize how much I upset you always. How much I ticked you off. I'm sorry, I don't mean to do that. It's not my intention. Please forgive me. And Joe says to him, You want to know why? You really want to know why I don't accept your filling, your offering, everything else? Let me tell you. Many years ago, I was born in Poland. And And my family, mother, father, everyone, was taken off And um, my whole family was taken. They were brought out to Auschwitz. And I never saw again my mother and my sisters. I was able to stick with my father, though. I was with my father in a barrack 
in the barrack they had a shalreish of a tulin. Shalreish. And everybody would put on that shalreish. Say Shema, whatever they could. And every morning, it's passed around in seconds before they had to go out to work. Anyway, one day he says, My father said, Tomorrow is your bar mitzvah. I want you to put on film tomorrow for the first time. I understand in the next barrack they have two they have a pair of film, a hand and a, and a head. I don't want first time you're putting on film, only the head. I'm gonna go to the next barrack and get that other pair. They have two pairs there. Kitsa Obviously, it was not a walk in the park. This wasn't the most inviting thing in the world to do, to go take a walk over to the next barrack. Just tell me, I'm going to get trillin' over there next door. <laughs> we here for a million. Um, it's obviously a very, very dangerous mission. Which he was ready to undertake. And that was the changing of the guards. As I stood there and I watched, my father was still in good shape. So courageous was he. How he ran out to the field. Nobody saw. He was crouched down like a cat. And he ran across to the other barrack. And he apparently got the film. And he started running back. And as he was a about to get into the barrack from nowhere a shot rang out and he fell down on his side and as he was laying there trying to get up to get into the barrack more shots rang out and that was the end we managed to get the film but that was the extent of it. I said I would never put on those two. Wow. And for that reason, he says, no matter how many times you ask me, I refuse to put on film. Well, not much you can answer to that, is there? So, he had no choice but to accept that answer. And, um, this was the lot.
what to do now. Nothing much. That's why he says, I don't want to put on film. Well, in that case, he says, I apologize to you. And um, I will just ask you, if in case I ever ask you again, please don't curse me out. Just remind me that it is an issue. And he did just that. He said, no problem. That'll do for you. Well, a few months later, there was a problem. The problem was that the problem was somebody needed to say Kaddish. Somebody needed to say Kaddish and um, they needed a tenth person. And this guy was the tenth person. Was tut mir jetzt? Now they were in trouble. Because how is he going to ask him? But he had no choice. Oddly enough, he went to him. He got the the courage. And he spoke to him. And he said, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. And he came and he helped out with the minion. He was very good about it. He answered Amin. And he got very emotional. And this Kaddish must have touched his heart somewhere. Kaddish touched his heart and he was very sympathetic for it. A short while later he saw Mardachai and he asked Mardachai come over to his house, to his apartment. They took out of the cabinet a bag and he told him these are my father's film. And um, I want to stop putting them on for him. And he started putting on the tefillin every day. And lo and behold, 
few months later he passed. This is Baruch I came to the Levaya, of course. And by the Levaya, this woman came over to him and asked him, Are you Mordechai? And he says, Yes. She said, You should know that whenever I came to visit my father, you had just been there. And he used to say what kind of good time he had, quality time he had spending with you. He realized, of course, what kind of great mitzvah he did for this person. This is ultimately common sense. Common sense, common practice, what we do already for another person. As is the Shavuah, as is the Nether. If a person makes a Shavuah, makes a Nether, common sense dictates they need to keep it. They need to live up to it. They need to make good. An interesting pasuk in this week's parsha. Nasi speaks about all the nasiim. Each nasi brought a carbon. By Yemashvi nasi levne Ephraim. Yosef's children, Ephraim and Menashe, each had their own shevet that had their own nasi. On the seventh day, which was Shabbos, the nasi of Ephraim brought his carbon. And the Medrash says, Omar HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Almighty said, Yosef, since you kept sanctity of Shabbos and before it was even given, I promise you, I promise you, I will allow your children to bring sacrifices on Shabbos. Which a single person may not do. And I will accept his sacrifice with great, great happiness, joy. Wow. Wow. What a reward. You kept Shabbos, I'm going to let your children desecrate it. I mean, really, God? Got a sense of humor. <laughs> In re- a reward for keeping Shabbos, says Almighty, I will let your children desecrate Shabbos. But the truth is, the explanation is a very, very deep one. When the Torah gives an allotment for something, it's very interesting. I had this week an interesting Shayla question that someone called and I heard in their voice that they were not happy with the situation, the predicament they were in and I looked to find a leniency and I questioned and questioned 
And I was leaning towards giving the leniency. And the person then told me, I called, she said, person I called, the chief rabbi of the community, and he already told me, I can't. I said, whoops. I was quite upset. How dare you call me? If you were told no already. Now, truth to be told, I did not, God forbid, lose my temper over it. Although I had full right to. I told the person all the questions that I asked them which would give them the rights to leniency. And I said, like a, prepare, a lawyer preparing the client, I said, call back the chief rabbi and mention all these situations and ask if he'll retract and perhaps give them a leniency. I didn't know what happened. They didn't call me back. If they called, they didn't call. I met the rabbi today. Actually, I met some, a different rabbi yesterday. And I told him the situation here. I told him what I was basing my leniency on. And I couldn't imagine why the chief rabbi was not being a lenient. And neither could he. Anyway, I called. I met today with the rabbi. And I asked him, is there no way of presenting a leniency in such a case? I didn't mention the case. <laughs> uh, in the case, I mentioned the law. He obviously knew what the case was. And he told me the reason he refused to give the leniency was because of the negligence. People were negligent. People didn't do what they had to do. Therefore, because they were negligent, he refused to give them the leniency. He refused to give them the benefit of the doubt. I could not argue that point. The point of the story, though, is that yes, he told me on other basis my my presentation would be correct. On other basis, he could bank on the leniencies that I was presenting. However, he refused. Because the people were negligent. His refusal is what we call Das Torah, the Torah opinion. My leniency, had the person called me first, would also have been a level of Das Torah. So the person would have had the leniency 
and would have really had on what to rely on. It was not a... I was not giving them a flawed or misinterpreted or misconstrued interpretation of the law. When Tera does that, pushes off a prohibition, gives an allotment for a prohibition of Shabbos to be desecrated, we find different approaches. Some say that Shabbos is pushed aside. In other words, the actual thing that's being done is a work on Shabbos that's not supposed to be done. But we push aside Shabbos. Let us say, for example, let us say, for example, a bris milah. A bris milah on Shabbos. A bris milah on Shabbos is not allowed. You're not allowed to make the child bleed. If this bris, if the child was not born on Shabbos, you would not be allowed to have the bris. So much so, if the child was born Friday Ben Hashemashas or Shabbos Ben Hashemashas, which means twilight, which is neither Shabbos nor weekday, the bris would not be allowed on Shabbos. I had a son that was born literally minutes before Shkia on Shabbos, before sunset. After sunset, it would be a question really about Shabbos, about a Shabbos bris. On Friday afternoon, if the child is born between sunset and the stars coming out, that's called Benashmoshes, and he too would not have his bris neither Friday nor Shabbos, but on Sunday. Because Friday is too early, Shabbos is not allowed, it will be Sunday. I think I've said it once before, it's called a Hechetimza, how is it possible? Twins were born, two boys, and the one that was born first had his bris according to halacha on a healthy baby, halachically, a day after the one that was born second. And that's exactly what we're talking about here. The first twin was born Ben Hashemoshes on Friday afternoon. The second one was born already after Satan after the stars came out, and therefore it was night. So the second one's bris, according to Allah, is on Shabbat, on Shabbos, and the first one's bris is on Sunday. So a bris mina on Shabbos is only if the Shabbos is the, birth, the, the, the eighth day. So the question is, what allows this bris mina? Is it not, an, not a malocha? Is it not making a person bleed? It's making the person bleed. So according to one, we push off Shabbos. We put Shabbos on the side. We say, this is Taka Amalacha. For this thing, we push it away. And then the others that say, no, Shabbos permits it. Not Shabbos forgives it and says, I don't mind that it's happening. Shabbos actually permits this. And this prohibition is not considered a prohibition at all. 
Not that this makes it permissible on Shabbos. But the din is, it's a Dover HaMatir. Because it's so, so valuable, this Dover HaMatir, it pushes away Shabbos. So much so, that the Isr, the prohibition becomes totally allowed. We find another form. Another form. That Shemitah Shabbos, keeping of Shabbos, obligates the person to be allowed to do this Malachim. In order to add to the Kedusha of Shabbos. The Rechaim HaKadosh says in Pashat Kisiso, Bikuach Nefesh is Deich Shabbos. If Chas Vashon, we need to save somebody's life, we see Hatzalah drives on Shabbos and makes phone calls, etc., Dialysis. This is not called Chil Shabbos. It's called Shmira Shabbos. When we do this Melacha because of Bekuach Nefesh, it's considered Shmira Shabbos. According to this, we say now what the Medish is telling us. When Ephraim, the Nasi of Ephraim, brought his carbon on Shabbos, not only the Easter of being bringing a carbon on Shabbos is pushed off. But the schar of the Shemitah Shabbos, the reward of Jesus keeping Shabbos, saw to it that his grandchild's carbon added to the Kedusha of Shabbos. Hmm. Story is told of a king that married. He was a king of a region. He married the princess of another region. So now he became a, he became a, a son-in-law by the king of another region. No. Needless to say, of course, there was a merger. And the two came together. The new bride, the new <coughs> the new queen had an interesting hobby. Had something very interesting that she liked very much. She had a brother that played violin. She loved to listen to him play. So every day. She had the prince come to the palace and sat with her husband, the king, and sat and listened to the beautiful music of her brother for a half hour every day. In the beginning, it was romantic. It was actually nice. It was enjoyable. Eventually, our king started getting a little fed up with it. Started coming out of his nose. So, (laughs) you know what to do. If he tells his wife he's not happy with it, she loves it. She'll go ballistic on him and it'll be the end of this whole marriage. End of the marriage could cause a war. (laughs) 
What do we do? He came up with a patent. Part is a king smart enough. He invited every day a new group of people. This is, of course, a slus. This is a big thing. You can come here, music together with the king and the queen. And every day a different group of people came. And truth to be told, the music was nice. To him it was monotonous. But for the new person that came to hear, it was beautiful. And they sat there in, in awe. They sat there enjoying this. For the king, watching these people enjoy this music so much, gave him enjoyment. So it took away the pain of having to sit through this. So every day he invited new people and their joy, he piggybacked on their joy to have his own joy and this gave, made it more bearable to listen to the music every day. The same thing is with the Shabbos. The mitzvah, now Shabbos piggybacks on this mitzvah although the mitzvah itself is quote-unquote desecrating Shabbos it's not desecrating Shabbos but rather Shabbos is piggybacking on such a level that it's making it even a beauty it's enhancing the Shabbos Kedish Pasha begins about the Gershon and Kahas and Mirari who are who are these people? B'nei Gershon, B'nei Kahas, they were children of Levi. What does this have to do with us? Why does the Teda tell us the story? It's not a storybook. Everything in the Teda has to be a lesson. What lesson is the Teda actually teaching us from this? B'nei Gershon carried the Yediyas HaMishkan. B'nei Kahas carried the clay HaMishkan. They carried the curtains and they carried the vessels. They carried the Oren, the Shulchan, etc. The Ark, Table, Veneda. What's the difference between the Yerias and the Kalim? What's the difference between the curtains and the vessels? The Yerias went around, they covered. And they protected from all the outside elements, etc. Mashenka the Kalim. Each keli had its own, each vessel had its own service, its own reason to be, be put in the Mishkan. And certain service that was done through it. A person has his yiris, has his curtains that prevent him from bad things that are going to hurt him. This service, this Aveda is called Sur Meira, turning away from the bad. And the person obviously refrains from doing the wrong things. The Kalim, which are things, vessels that needed to do work, they are Asetayv. The key, the key, the doing of mitzvahs and Aisentayv, etc. B'nai Gershon carried the Yiddish. And B'nai Kahas the clay Mishkan. 
Gershin is a lotion of Gerushin. Divorce. Divorce is something that repels. Two people repel from one another. They turn away from one another. This is the Sur Merah, turning away from the bad. Kahas, on the other hand, Luyikhas Amim, gathering together, bringing together all the goodness. This is the Asetayv. Just like a physical king, when he wants to fix his apartment, he wants to fix his home, first you need to take everything out, you scoop out the whole inside. And then you start to set up nice beautiful vessels. The same as when we do, we purify the world, the physical world. We need to prepare it for the Shekhinah. We need to first clean out everything that's in the world, all the dirt, all the, the un, unpleasantness. We need to do the Aveda of Surmeira, and then we can be Misada the Kalim Loyim. Then we start to set up home, and we start to set up what needs to be set up. And that's through the service of Asaytayv. This is what Gershon, who was born before Kahas, which is the setting up of the beautiful vessels, which can only be done after everything is cleaned out. Therefore, first we need the Surmeira, and then we can come on to the Vasei Taif. What age were the ones that carried the Mishkan? And it was also done in the Midbar. They had to be counted from 30 years and up. What is the 30 years? Sometimes a person makes a Cheshman Tzedek in his soul. He does his stock, takes stock, inventory of himself. And he comes to the outcome that his behavior, till now, was chasashon at a level of a desert. Void. Nothingness. And you could lose faith in that. You could just give up. Thinks to himself, I can't change the behavior. I'm so used to this already. It's, it's, it's ingrained in me. This is me. I'll never be able to change. This is what the Pasuk tells us. B'nai Levi did not do their work in the Mishkan until they were Shleishim Shana Vamaila. And still in all, they were given the strength that from then on, Yehovchul and Nesei Mishkan. Thereafter they were given to carry the Mishkan. By carrying the Mishkan in the desert, 
they brought down the revelation of God, godliness. In a place which was Midbar, Godel, Neda, Nachar, Saraf, Akrav, Tzimayin, Shemimayin. All the detrimental things that went on in the desert. The fearful desert. Scorpions and snakes. Scorpions. Thirst. for Not just thirst. Thirst with no water to be found. What did the clouds do, which was like representing the Yiriyas? They killed all this out. And they made the desert into a place that was able to be settled in. This is the job of each and every Jew. Not only Shevet Levi, but each and every person. Shenodvar Ruche Eisei. To separate and to stand before God and to serve Him. And Hashem will be His Chelik and His Nachla. Like the Kehanim and the Levian merited. If that's the case, without looking at the situation till now. If a person decides henceforth that I will stand before God to serve Him. He's given the strength to purify, to elevate himself from all the things, the outside elements that he was living through till now. So the person does not have to fret. Lipa. Lipa was a chassid. A chassid of a rebbe in the time of the Bashantav. Unfortunately, Lipa's life was not so simple. Lipa was a very big Balgaiva and learned a lot of Taylor was very big Talmud Chacham, but because he wanted everybody to know it was. Ultimately, he started to work with his father-in-law. Ultimately, business took him over, consumed him, he forgot Teda. He left Teda behind. One day, randomly, the Bashemtov lifted up his eyes, sitting with his chassidim, and he turns to Azriel, one of his chassidim, and he says, Azriel, Lipa needs your help. Was this? As real who Lipa is, he doesn't know who he is, anything, but the Rebbe says, the Rebbe says. Vaila Lipa's Rebbe himself had come to him with ten chsidim, and he tried to convince him and tried to talk to him, but he'd hear nothing. He welcomed him into his house, and took him around, he gave him a royal tour, but for naught. And this Rebbe left him crying, he kissed him said, hopefully we'll see each other once again. And every day, this Rebbe would say for him, Tillam, special Tillam, just for Lipa. After davening, he spent ten minutes saying Tillam. Mm-hmm. And so went on for years. One day, he, he couldn't, the ten minutes was just not enough. And he cried and he cried and he cried and his heart was bursting. And 
he turned around after an hour or so, <laughs> saw the shul's empty. There's one vagabond sitting in the back. He starts to walk out of the shul, and the vagabond says to him, Rebbe, you're saying till him Philippa, right? And he says, yeah. So you don't have to say till him Philippa anymore. He, the guy started to tremble. Started to shake. What happened to Lipa? He said, I'm Lipa. I've come back. No. The Rebbe was, to say the least, exalted, exuberant. And he told him his story, how this chassid of the Vashem showed up in his house, asked him for a job, was a fantastic manager, everybody loved him, and he used to sit on his spare time and sit and learn Taylor. But he always had time for everybody. And one day, he called him in. And he decided to show him that he also learns Taylor. And Lipa started to explain to him a Gemara that he knew, that he remembered. And the Chassid explained it to him, almost the same words. But he says that the words, the way he said it, I said it as an intellectual concept, but he said it with a full life, this was his entire life was involved here. This shook me to my core. And this went on and on and on until one day I couldn't take anymore. And I saw that the gaivet destroyed me, that I needed to find my roots again, come out of my desert. I sold everything, I gave it all the way to Tzedakah. And I wandered for months on end, doing tshuva. And here I am, on the way to the Bashantav. The Rebbe was so excited, he took him inside, they took him to the bathhouse, he washed up, he cleaned up, they gave him food, and his chassid lipa then went to the Bashantav. And so we see, that no matter how far down, and how deep the desert is, a person can always make that moment, to make that turn around. And they should help, that we should all be zeicha to see that turnaround from Kal Yisrael, and we should be zeicha this very Shabbos, Nosei Yisraish, that the elevation, not just the count, but each and every Jew's head, should be elevated, and each and every Jew should be elevated to a level that we should be able to go to Yerushalayim Yerakedish with Mashiach, Kenan, Shabbat, Shalom to all.